the More Than Punk podcast and you are currently listening to The Gloom in the Corner's brand new song, Warfare, on our first ever episode of the podcast. I've got guitarist Matt and lead vocalist Mikey joining me for a chat about their song, which is part of their awesome and innovative approach to metalcore. They call themselves narrative-driven metalcore and every album is an arc. So take what you know about the concept album, which tells a single story over a full album, and extrapolate that out so that two, three, four albums are all telling the same story about the same characters. This is my conversation with vocalist and songwriter Mikey and guitarist Matt, who are joining me over Zoom from their hometown in Melbourne, Australia, here on the first ever episode of the More Than Punk podcast. You guys, thank you so much for coming along. I'm super excited because this is the first episode of this podcast. Um, so it's awesome to have you as my sort of test subject guest. So thank you guys for coming. Now, I want to get straight into it. You guys are releasing Warfare in a time where it's really challenging to be a musician. Obviously, you can't tour the new track. You can't do the things that you would usually do. So how are you getting it out there so that your audience can consume it and still connect with you when we don't know when you're going to go back on the road and be able to meet people and play those songs? Um, well, I guess uh, we we took a standpoint of like, that you can't just put out music because we noticed that people, um, they kind of, when they're in lockdown and, and they're, they can't go to shows, they kind of need to be fully stimulated, like visually and through audio. So we thought if we're releasing music, you kind of have to have something with it, whether it be visual or you can actually interact with it. So for Warfare, we put out a questionnaire um, <clears throat> and the idea was basically getting people more involved in the story. And based on a bunch, a series of like moral dilemma questions, you get placed in one of the factions that we, uh, Mikey has created. And Mikey actually created a bunch of like visual videos that go along with it, kind of like similar to like the COD um, cinematics, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was the briefing right that I got given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what And then right at the end of it, um, we gave them a teaser for Warfare. So we were hoping that this was like a way that fans could, you know, forget about old COVID for a little bit and kind of be involved in another world, just kind of a bit mm-hmm. of escapism, which is, yeah, we hope that that's kind of what that achieved. But mm. And like what people, I don't think, oh, like, I think a few people have picked up on it, like long time fans of the war have picked up on, but like a lot of the questions are actually right. Whoa. Relating to various different songs as well. Like there was a question that was like talking about shooting a kid and that's what happened in our song War from Homecoming. There was one about killing your boss, which is what Grim Sleeper was about. Um, but there's a whole heap of like different questions, which if you do know the war in and out, then you'll get that the questions are references to various songs along the way. And I think like, because we got a lot of people who, um, who got the sect faction, which is like the main faction that our story has been talking about, like, since we started and i think that kind of came down to the fact that they're not like because the sect answers were really like what's the term cold and cynical what it came down to was people recognizing the questions and going hey that's from this song i'm going to give it the correct answer so i mean that's my analysis of it i don't know if you picked up on that as well matt but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you wrote the story <laughs> Yeah, that's fair um, 
Yeah, I think that's what like because people like like a lot of the people who would have taken a questionnaire and filled it out and actually taken a faction like would have seen those questions and gone, hey, that's bleed you out, or hey, that's green, or hey, that's this and this and this. So yeah, I think right. that's like why we would have gotten a lot of sect answers as well. Has it been because it's obviously like a really different thing, right? Like a lot of bands will come out, they come out with the music video and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I love about sort of our scene is that whole thing about being innovative, right? Because you have to make people notice you. Like this is going to sound fucking stupid, but I just realized the other day how you put stuff on Spotify, like as a podcaster, as it were. And I was still like, like my name's up on Spotify and I was like, wow, that's super exciting. Like, holy shit, I'm on Spotify. But out, like outside of that, unless not someone knows where to look or what to look for, that I feel like this scene's always been super kind of innovative in that sense, right? So for you guys doing the sort of questionnaire and putting it out with the music video, you know, how does that play into like a longer term thing of, you know, we're building a sort of audience and we're building a, a base that we can lean on for years to come? Hmm. That's a bad question. Mark, you want to take it <laughs> Oh. <laughs> 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 ah, shit. Um, well, I mean, with the questionnaire, like, I, I think, I guess it more so just came down to like, what are we going to do in the time that we have? Because yeah. like, obviously we can't play shows or anything like that. We wanted to find a way to keep people interested without going over the top budget wise. Um, and I think the website was at least a nice little way. I mean, as Matt said, to give people a form of escapism um, and do something outside of what would generally be the norm for most bands. And we have the platform to do it because we have the whole storyline and everything. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess that's probably yeah the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, because like, obviously we can't play shows. We just had to figure out a way, like another way to keep people engaged besides like just dropping the song. Mm. And, also, the thing you said about, um, like, our scene and having to be innovative, I think due to, like, COVID, um, everyone is trying to innovate, which is really exciting because there's just, so, with, with digital means, you, there's so many different things that bands can do. Like, there's, you know, um, we've, we recently made a TikTok and um, because it's a really, like, the platform just kind of, like, forces content on, any, on everyone. So it's, it's kind of a, a good way to get views. Um, and also we thought we could kind of just like give fans a inside look to stuff. Like we can do playthrough videos. We can kind of do some like studio sessions potentially. Um, but I think there's just so many different ways of getting like an audience, like some people on TikTok that are vocalists for metal bands will do like, like funny screaming videos. Right. Mm -hmm. And a band could literally get attention based off that kind of thing. And that's just like one really specific example on one specific platform. But you've got to think how many platforms there are and how many different types of content you can make across all of them. People just haven't thought of it yet, which is really exciting. Yeah. Do you think it, I think it helps a lot being in a scene that sort of has a sense of humor, right? Cause you can sort mm -hmm. of go out and be like, yeah, we're this heaviest bulk metal band, but we're going to, you know, like, um, Nate's, Nate's what I reckon, you know, like, yeah, like that, that kind of, that kind of thing, right? Like how many people watch that that don't like metal? Yeah, legit. Exactly. I think, um, he's a good example of just like breaking down that barrier of people thinking that metal people are antisocial and not like nice people yeah. <laughs> as well. I think, I think to this day, some people still have that view that they see someone with tattoos or see someone all in black and they're like, oh, he's probably not a nice person. But then you talk to them and nine times out of 10, they are nicer than half the average people you meet, you know, in the street. Yeah. 
yeah mm-hmm. like for us we see metalheads and we're like oh look friends like yeah literally, people i can talk to yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, so i mean obviously we've got to talk about warfare warfare rather um because i mean it's obviously like a hell of a song it fits into a narrative so you guys are kind of pitched as like narrative driven metalcore right so what does that mean so all of our songs pretty much follow one flowing i mean i like to say flowing but we do jump back and forth in places and time <laughs> in the story because i didn't think that through properly however um we're basically a band that follows one long consecutive story so we've had um similar to a tv show we've had like an arc um and that arc started on our first record fear me um and is closing up with the end of the three track before we move into the next project um so every song that we've collectively put out over the past four years um has been part of like one big i mean i'm just gonna say arc because as i said like a tv show and how tv shows follow arcs and everything um all those songs follow one big arc and they're all kind of like condensed isn't the right word either but like put into their own part of the story Mm. if that makes sense yeah and so the slow burn release but yeah i mean the natural follow-up to that is like why um well i mean more so to to do with anything like when i started gloom um i knew that i wanted to do something different with music i've always been creatively inspired by like filmmaking and tv shows and books and etc and i wanted Mm -hmm. to bring that to my love of heavy music um and so because i've been in a few bands before that as well and they were like just kind of like you know not run-of-the-mill metalcore bands but you know they were bands that didn't have anything like extreme to them um, yeah, right. like what gloom has like with the story and stuff like that so that would yeah they're kind of like along those lines and i knew that going into gloom i wanted to try something different that compared to like what anybody else had was doing in the scene at the time um because not i mean at least from my knowledge when we started gloom like not a lot of bands were following like one big kind of theatrical story with the exception of like alisana and defeater um and you know a lot of bands had done concept records at the time Mm. um but they hadn't necessarily done like one whole big story there was only one other band in the scene who was kind of pushing the limits at the time in regards to that um and that was gravemind but they've stopped doing conceptual stuff now as of the as of conduit they stopped doing conceptual stuff um but they had their own story over one ep and then they had a different story over another ep and etc that kind of thing um i was just it just so happened that, that we both started around the same time but yeah that was more so why like i have a love for cinema i have a love for tv shows books video games etc that kind of thing and i wanted to combine the two in my own way so the closest thing that I can think of as an example would be Stone Sour's House of Golden Bones, part one and two, right? Because it's sort of like a dual, yes. like a, yeah. more, a more than one concept sort of album thing. And it, I mean, that obviously when you're like someone like Corey Taylor, you don't just do an album, you do a, you know, a comic book and a short film and it all sort of packages together. But for you, when you're sitting down and you're going, okay, we're going to do a four album concept, 
this is going to be the story. Like how do you choose the story and how much of it do you have written in advance or are you discovering as you go? Well, that's the funny thing. Um, it was only meant to be a one album concept. Uh, the Fear Me arc was only meant to be just Fear Me. Um, and then basically what happened was like, I finished Fear Me and I started writing for LP2. And then we got asked to do a two track. Um, and then that two track turned into the Homecoming EP. And then I started writing again for LP2. And we got halfway through and said, nah, actually we want to do like another EP. And so that turned into flesh and bones. And then I started, I mean, like I have been consecutively writing songs for LP2 over this entire period, but um, once again, like finishing up the arc got pushed back to do these next three songs. And that was a consecutive decision to be like, okay, let's kind of like wrap things up properly before we go in and do LP2. Um, so as, as far as for like how much of the story I have planned out, I'd like to think that I have a decent amount of the story planned out. Like I have the beginning and the end, it's figuring out the journey in between. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I mean, based on what we've done and put out along the way, um, you know, endings may change, plot points might change, etc. that kind of thing. Um, and that's very much what happened with the Fear Me arc because we weren't, I mean, I wasn't expecting to do a continuation of Fear Me after Fear Me um, had been released. We were, I was just expecting that we were going to go into LP2 and then that didn't happen. So, like, it's kind of like, I kind of have a rough idea of where I'm running, but it's kind of like wearing a, a mask over your face where you can kind of see where you're going. That's how that I feel about sense. my life, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's more or less. Yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, I want to pull you into this too because obviously you, you're like managing the band as well as guitar and all that sort of stuff. So how much kind of corralling is there of Mikey to, to be like, dude, we've got to focus on like EP2 or like <laughs> hold this back? Like what's that kind of internal um, dynamic like? I don't know. Like I think... He's actually quite easy to work with <laughs> this kind of stuff. I, I mean, I'm not trying to like break up the band, but spill the beans, boys. Well, he kind of sees eye to eye a lot of the time. Like, I think, um, I think I really appreciate that Mikey actually quite respects what I say with this in regards to this kind of thing. Because I think, um, well, I don't know. I like to think of myself as someone who just kind of like absorbs what I see around me. So I like when I look at the metal scene, I look at like what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. I kind of get to filter that and then tell Mikey my opinion of like, oh, if we're going to head in this direction, this is what other people have done. This has worked. This hasn't worked. Like maybe it's good to, you know, do the story this way or do like a release this way. And I think Mikey like really does respect my opinion when I kind of do that because it's enforced by a lot of evidence and like, you know, what I feel is the right thing to do. So uh, I think he's, and actually a lot of the time he has actually just come to me and said, look, we're doing this. And I've been like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's, that's the right <laughs> thing to do. Um, yeah. I think like on top of that as well, like, how do I put this? Like, I'm very flexible in the aspect of like adding another song to the arc or adding another three songs or another EP because the world is so broad and there's a lot that we haven't touched mm -hmm. in the world, be it from various characters, various, various places in time, that kind of thing. Like, I'm like, cool, we're going to do a song about this. Like, or cool, we're going to wrap up the filming arc like this. Like we have the ability to, um, 
So even though, as I said, like I have the beginning and the end, it's a journey along the way. If there's many different fucking side quests along the way that bring us to the end, then fair enough, like I'm happy to roll with it. So, yeah. Is it sort of a balance between like commercial? Uh, that's always such a like a loaded word to throw around in like the middle <laughs> scene because everyone's like, no, we just do it for sweat and passion and sleeping on floors. But like, is it a sense of kind of like commercial nous meets that sort of creativity thing, and and that's how you find your way through the scene? Because obviously, you guys have got like a you know a decent following. You've got a back catalog. Like this isn't like, hey, yeah, we're releasing our first EP. Let's do a round of press. You know what I mean? you've sort of got that longevity. Hmm. This is a um, question. <laughs> do you mean commercial in the sense of music or in terms of the concept? Just in, in terms of the concept, in terms of like understanding how the scene fits together in the commercials of the scene. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is a deep dive question. I can talk a lot about this. Um, this, this goes back to, I guess, like why I'm also a part of this band and why I want to be a part of this band because um, when I was a kid, I watched like a lot of uh, TV shows and listened to a lot of music. And I, I, I think of a quote of, um, from Charles Gambino or Donald Glover, where he said like, every artist is kind of building worlds. They're building lots of little worlds that people can kind of live in. And I remember as a kid, I would find a band, love them so much, listen to their whole catalog. And if they had more for me to sink my teeth into like the gorillas having like a storyline and how every music video progresses a storyline, I loved that. Like that was, that was the most amazing thing to me. Um, and flash forward to being gloom. That's kind of what I've always wanted to do with this band because I thought it was, it felt so good to kind of direct your attention and be stimulated by this kind of like content and media that I kind of want to give that back to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of like, uh, being commercial, I guess, like, um, I guess I, I just know. meant like commercial nows as opposed to, you know, commercial top, like top 10 sort of a thing. Oh, um, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We just try and like do what we do <laughs> and then just like yeah. hope people will like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's such a middle answer. I love it. <laughs> just like, oh, fuck it. We'll wing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. Hmm. I think like what, like what inspired me as well to do, gloom the way that it is as well um was the way that my chem did danger days now danger days yeah. isn't my favorite my chem record of all time but the visual aspect that comes with danger days and the whole world that they created just for one album and just in one album was very much like a big inspiration as to how i should do things in gloom um ice nine kills is another really good one as well oh, dude i love that band yeah they're such a sick band and like they they bring everything to the table in that aspect. Like they don't waver whatsoever. They're super on top of what they do. Um, who else? Not, oh, yeah, Defeater. Yeah, Defeater to a much lesser homely extent, I guess. Like Defeater are kind of that band that you go to like a jazz lounge in the middle of World War II and they're the band playing in the back, if that makes sense like to put them picture wise is like, that's what their whole aesthetic is. Like while they, while they tell the story. Um, but yeah, I think like Elliot, yeah. Cause I think I saw the danger days thing and I'm like, cool, I can actually do a concept like that and mm-hmm. make it successful. So. What did you find? Commercial thing, but yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. No, no. I was just curious about like what you found accessible about the sort of danger days, um, 
visual aspect and, and production thing. Cause obviously you look at like when Mike Kim did danger days, I mean, they're obviously coming off the back of the black parade. They're effectively one of like the biggest bands in the world coming out of our scene. So they've, you know, Warner music's just like, here's a check for a billion dollars, go and do what you want. And obviously you're, you know, your thing's very different. You guys are in Melbourne. I'm, you know, I'm going to make a wild guess and say that you've got day jobs as well as, you know, the, the music thing. So like it's the scale of it is quite different. <laughs> she has to say hi now. She's water. been in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just getting my dinner ordered. Um, <laughs> nice. shit, I got completely sidetracked. Can you just condense that question again? <laughs> <laughs> what What is it about um, Danger Days that you found sort of so accessible that made you think, yeah, I yep. can, okay. I can do this? Um, well, well, I mean, I, I had a very big love for like comic books and yeah, as I said, video games and that kind of thing. And that whole aspect of it, like that very comic booky vibe is what drew me in. And I saw that, you know, like they did a whole heap of various different stuff. So me as like a super nerdy kid growing up, like was immediately drawn to that. Cause I'm like, well, they're actually creating like this whole world through music. Um, and like, as far as the actual aspects of the story and everything of danger days goes, I wouldn't really put any of that in gloom besides maybe like tropes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I think it was more so just the fact that like they did that and got away with it more or less. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you sure. know, yeah. Like I'm trying to think like what actually inspired me from danger days besides you know, like, there's actually yeah. music. <laughs> at first I like heard the album and I was like this is pretty sick and then I looked at the visuals and I thought this is like it's the same thing with the Donald Glover stuff where it's just like it was another world I had to watch all the music videos and I had to look at all the visuals and like I wanted to understand the story and the comic book stuff and I remember they did a merch run that was like the little guns they had the toy guns from the thing I have one of them I wonder if I've got, got it here one. oh okay that's so cool I didn't get one but I really regret not getting Shit. one I wish I was over at dad's cause I actually have it. Yeah. No. I have Frank Hero's one. Um, yeah. That's it. yeah. That would have, that would, if you could have pulled that out, that would have been so, that would have been such a moment. <sighs> we could have all gone home after that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Go on, Matt. Oh, that's pretty much it. Oh, okay. I remember seeing like, I think what, like also what initially drew me was my love for the na 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 music video. Like that music video is so fucking over the top and sick. Like, mm. yeah, I think that made me go as well. Like, I want to be able to do this in a band too. Yeah. So, but the things that you guys come up with, I mean, like, Warfare is not a light song, right? Like, when when you're coming from that sort of writing place, and like you said before, the question you had like questions about shooting a kid and killing your boss and all things that tie into the stuff that you've done already. But what sort of for you inspires going into that, that place and making that kind of commentary, I suppose. Cause it would, would you call it commentary? Is that a fair sort of assessment? For the, for the on base, <clears throat> pardon, pardon me, um, for the base level entry stuff of what, cause like I, I've, I like to think that there's two layers to the gloom lyrics. There's the actual story side of things and there's the base level commentary. Um, for the base level commentary side of things like, um, I've always kind of, uh, what's the term, taken an interest in the history of war, that kind mm -hmm. of thing, um, especially like World War II 
and especially in the history of espionage, um, that kind of thing. So I guess like that's, it's, it's kind of like a bleak observation and just going like, well, the only thing that's really changed over the past 2000 years in regards to war, because war is uh, subjectively part of human nature at this point, the only thing that's really kind of changed in the past 2000 years is the way we go about war. So from World War One and World War Two and before that, you know, like it was all very, I mean, obviously strategic and everything, but it was all very like, you know, person on person. And then we had the Cold War, which was like a silent war where, you know, there was a lot of espionage involved. There was a lot of, you know, double agents, et cetera, that kind of thing between two very big nuclear powers. Um, and then same thing with, you know, like terrorist, I mean, terrorist warfare isn't the correct term to use, but like, I'm just going to come out and say modern warfare for lack of a better term. <laughs> Matt's having a fucking giggle. <laughs> modern warfare for lack Income of a better term. References. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like modern warfare for lack of a better term, you know, stuff like, um, you know, stuff starting from like the Iraqi war in the light in like eighties and nineties going through to now, like a lot of that, um, I mean, I guess domestic kind of war has changed as well, but like really the only thing that's changed is, a, is the battlefield. But as far as human nature itself, war hasn't changed. And I guess that's kind of like what warfare is about is how the machines that progress warfare have evolved, but we as a human society haven't evolved beyond the need to go to war. Yeah. I'm always telling people that we're just monkeys with iPhones. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or drone strikes in this case. But yeah. 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 Well, this is going to be a big question, but I'm super curious about it. When you're approaching that kind of subject matter, how, like, how do you figure out something new to say that hasn't already been said before? Like, where, where's your point of like, this is going to be interesting to someone. I have a fresh take on this. Well, I mean, yeah, because like, thankfully I can kind of get away with being cheeky is the wrong word, but like being able to put myself into a character's shoes and their commentary on it because we have a storyline. So this like warfare is based from the perspective of Sherlock. Sherlock by nature is always very like kind of narcissistic and arrogant and blunt and occasionally cheeky and etc. Um, And so that's where like, like if I was going, like when I was writing the lyrics for Warfare, I was like, cool, I want to be able to say this in the way that Sherlock would say it. And so that's why there's like a couple of like cheeky quips in there um, that like some people probably won't pick up on because of, you know, wording and et cetera. Like the biggest one that I like to tell people is that that no God is above me line um, before the breakdown is not like a, sacrilegious oh, and it's still sacrilegious but it's not like a, oh i don't believe in god i don't believe that there's a god above me it's no god is better than me mm-hmm. so above is used in the better than context um which is why i fucking love that line so much because it's such like a cheap it's such a sherlockian to thing to say yeah. it's such a sherlockian thing to say um but yeah so i mean I, I guess like when it comes to figuring out new ways to say things i kind of try and figure out ways to say it in the way that Sherlock would say it. Um, and I mean, me, me personally looking at that, like, and specifically warfare, I feel like that how Mikey, when he writes a story and when he writes lyrics, he's always got a dueling, like two dueling concepts. So he's got, 
he'll, he'll lay out the themes and an idea. So in this case, warfare, and then he'll be like, Hey, here's my character. And look at, look at this thing that exists all around us in media, in life. And then he'll be like, Hey, look at this guy I made and look at what he thinks about this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's how he creates a unique and innovative take on everything because it's like, yeah, these weird characters with these weird quips and yeah, they're just kind of like looking at that idea. Hmm. Matt, does he ever come up with stuff where you read the lyrics or you listen to a demo and you go, Oh fuck dude, I'm not sure you can say that. Or like, or it just maybe rubs you (laughs) in a way that you're like, you're not sure about it. You know, it might, I'm not saying it'll be like politically incorrect or like offensive or whatever, but you just go, Oh, I, I wouldn't have said that or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any examples. Um, and also, if I did think of an example, I wouldn't say it because there's probably a reason <laughs> that he couldn't say it. Um, but I feel I don't like... I think I've been too bad. No, I don't think, I re- don't think you really have been um, too bad. There has been times when I do remember specifically in the song coming up that we haven't released... Um, it wasn't about bad, but Mikey wrote a lyric and we all loved it. And then um, we liked how he sang it, right? Not necessarily the lyrics. Yeah. And then Mikey's like, oh, I'm just going to change it. And we're like, no, like that was an amazing, that lyric was sung really, really well. And he's just like, no, nah, but it doesn't fit the story. And then we're like, no. <laughs> the, also the reason why I changed it, it was because like without giving anything away, it was pretty much the exact same as one of the other lines in um, a little piece of heaven by Avenged Sevenfold. Like it was both oh, yeah. like the melody that and is everything. Such a great like, song. Oh, it is it's such a great band. song, and I absolutely love that band. But I like I looked at that and I looked at a little piece of heaven, and I'm like, I can't do that. Like that's gonna be too on the nose, I think. And like, don't get me wrong, I love doing stuff like that. Mm. Um, kind of stuff. Yeah, like, and whether it be whether it be like references to other songs, I try not to do references to other songs or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> with the exception of like a few cases, um, but I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head um, without it being. Yeah, there's off. not really like. Yeah, we haven't really like. I haven't really held Mikey back too much in that regard. I mean, he he comes up with these crazy ideas, and I kind of try and do them. Like we had because I mean that's the fun of it. Usually the ideas are just like so crazy that it's not like I have to stop it. It's like okay, let's try and do this, but how the hell are we gonna do this? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and a lot of that is like, I guess, the art that Mikey makes or the ideas behind like the imagery he wants to use. Um, so we have a shirt coming up for Halloween that is very exciting that you'll see. And it's one of Mikey's, I think he's one of his best ideas. And probably, you know, if a pop band tried to put it out, it uh, wouldn't work. But uh, <laughs> you can wait and see what it looks like. <laughs> Hold it up. Like, do you have one? I want to see it. We don't have one on us. No, we don't have it yet. It comes is out it- on Halloween. Is it, is it more towards like, uh, I'm going to try and get some hints out of you. Like if Ice Nine Kills are doing a Halloween t-shirt, I think we can all sort of envision what that might look like. Is it sort of like... It's more violent than Ice Nine or? Kills. Yeah. It's definitely more violent than Ice Nine Kills. Like we like... We're more pretty cradle of filth. About, yeah, I'm thinking of a very open. specific no, Jesus yeah. t-shirt when I say that. No, 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 no. We're, we're, no, we're not going down that route. Um, I try to avoid the... Like I will make anti-religious quips and songs and everything like that but as far as because it fits the story more than anything else um i myself am not necessarily anti-religious i'm one of those people where if you want to believe in a god or deity or a religion then you are more than freely to do so oh sorry you're more than free to do so um but as far as like actual actually doing 
um, anti-religious imagery or anything along those lines. I believe we try and stay away from it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> we made it like... says kill God. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, yeah, shit. I forgot about that. Just watching Matt <laughs> start to smile then. I was like, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> I have the brain of a goldfish. Take back everything I said in the last like, minute. Mikey's lyrics that come across as potentially anti-religious are not necessarily anti-religious. They are Sherlock thinking he's better than all religion that exists, which is, is excellent. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> that. That does pose like a really interesting question, right? Because obviously you'll get people that jump into your music through Spotify or YouTube or a recommendation, like without any kind of context whatsoever. And they're like, oh, that's the No God is Better Than Me band or like the Kill God band. Like, look at those mm. Satanists. But like, do you, do you have much of the thing where people like come to you with no context and, and sort of completely misunderstand it? Or do you find that people are more or less on the same wavelength and you just kind of draw like-minded people that are like, oh, do we get that there's more, like there's more to this than just, you know, what's face value? I mean, I've gotten, I mean, I've gotten the question on the inbox and Instagram and Twitter, Christian band. Um, and then I, that's kind of stopped since we put out violence and I can't help but wonder why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like people, like people going back to what I said before, like if people have always asked me like, Hey, is this like part of the story? Like anti-religious for this reason? I'm like, eh, like I'd like to think about it as I take inspiration from various different forms of religion in the world um, and apply them to what fits best in the gloom universe. So I think a good example would be like to put Sherlock in a real world term, you'd probably compare him most to Levine Satanism, which is the belief that I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I, from what I remember is the belief that you are your own God and like you believe in yourself more than anything else. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't get like, I mean, I have people who ask me a lot about what's going to come next and they come up with their own crazy theories of what's going on in the world and et cetera. That's um, cool. Yeah. Which I love, which is awesome. Cause like sometimes, um, actually one of my mates came up with a theory, um, Adam, the guitarist who filled in for us last year on a couple of tours. Um, he came up with a theory and I was like, that's not the theory that I came up with, but that's fucking sick. I'm going to incorporate that into the wall. And I told him that I said like, that's, that wasn't where I was going, but I'm actually going to try and weave that in because that fucking idea is sick. Um, same thing with Grim Sleeper, like the original idea, like the original name for Grim Sleeper um, is actually a real life serial killer called the Grim Sleeper. Um, and so that's like, that was something that one of my mates brought to me as well. And was like, Oh, there's this dude who did this and I'm like, I'm putting that in the law. That's fucking sick. So yeah. But yeah, people come up with their own theories and stuff like that. And I will say yes, no, maybe you'll have to find out. Um, mm -hmm. But like, yeah, when it comes to people like, like, Oh, is this anti-religious for this? Or like, why are you guys so anti-religious? And I'm like, once I say to them, Oh, we are a concept band. Like, we as people aren't necessarily anti-religious. It's just what fits in the story the most, the same way that you would see stuff in television and in movies. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like there's a point where, like if you're reading a book, right? Like a piece of fiction, people can generally separate that out 
from the author um, most of the time. I'm, I have to generalize for this. Immediately, I think of Simon Rushdie's Satanic Poses, but let's just run with the original theory. I was um, thinking H.P. Lovecraft, honestly. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but because the, the thing that gets me about it, and uh, I'm sort of slowly losing my train of thought here, but like, if you're singing something, right, do people feel like it's more coming from you? And it's more your sort of beliefs than if you had sort of written something down as like a book and just went, here's a book I wrote, read it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think people, yeah, I think people will make that correlation at first, but you know, if they do question us about it or et cetera, you know, we can say we are a concept band, eat shit. Um, <laughs> we don't mean what we say. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it's one of those things, like if people don't differentiate because they don't understand that we are a concept band, then, you know, we are happy to help them out. And if they don't differentiate because they do understand that we are a concept band and they are offended, then I'm deeply sorry, but that wasn't my intention most of the time. Matt, I feel like as a manager, you're just sitting there going, Oh my God, (laughs) like this is going to get, this is going to get taken out of context and get us in trouble. Jesus. <laughs> no, if anything, it's a failsafe that we've got a concept because we can say, you know, we don't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, we, basically. Like we could turn around and say we're all Christian, <laughs> and everyone be oh, like, fuck, that be funny? "What do you mean?" And we're like, "Well, it's in the, it's a storyline, dude." Like, yeah, it's like Nick Deep had that merch run where it just said like generic pop punk, and you guys just need one that just says concept band. <laughs> Look at that first the, idea like, is university free. lettering. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, not everyone knows. Not I, I would say, like, I, I don't even know how to like put a percentage on this, but not everyone knows that we're a concept band. There's a lot of people that just like our music for like the music, and we're completely happy with that. Like, we the way that we've like fashioned the story is we kind of like to make it so that people can just like, if they want to know, they can go find out, and but not like you don't need to know our story to listen to our music. And that's something that's really, really important to us because we don't want to have like a bunch of exposition between songs, like unless you want that, you know? So we're trying to create ways of like the people that want that can get that. And the people that just want the metal to to go gym too, of course, we can give you that too. So. hmm. That's awesome. You guys, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. It's, I was going to say this morning, but of course it's evening for you because time zones. Fuck (laughs) me up. Thanks for having us, Seb. Awesome. I appreciate it. That was my interview with narrative-driven metalcore band The Gloom in the Corner here on the first ever episode of the More Than Punk podcast. Now to lead us out is their latest single and brand new track, Warfare.